Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Gary, and welcome to the second season of It's Personal. Okay, good. This is going to be really dope, but I don't want any <laughs> Putting yourself out there as practitioners who are growing and learning. Not at all. My name is Kwame Mbalia. I'm an author. I'm Padma Venkatraman, the author of The Bird Home. Sure, yeah. My name is Natasha Diaz. Code switching and all those things. I mean, all of that. All the time. I mean, he's still on the road all the time, but you know, like as a new mom. The relationship that I have cultivated from there. I'm I'm so excited to talk to you. (laughs) It's so fun. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of It's Personal. And I am, again, extremely excited to have a friend with me today. Um, and she's just a ball of joy, a ball of joy. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, um, I am Jess Lipschitz, and I teach fifth grade in a suburb of Chicago, and I teach reading and writing. I love and it is an honor, an honor to be oh, here. You're too kind. Um, before we get into it, Jess, I just want to share how appreciative I am of like the work that you do online. I wouldn't say I'm new to being online. I think I'm a little bit new to the Twitter world in regards to like the number of people that I see that are on there now and that have been doing it for so long. Um, and for me, seeing the work that you do, it is always of value. And I appreciate that so much as a teacher because for someone who's still learning um, to see teachers online, um, and, I, and, I, and I guess I'm gonna say doing it well, um, I really, really appreciate that. I really, really do. Thank and you your anchor, much. your anchor charts are so beautiful. By the way. <laughs> I, my kids, I think, um, have gotten used to the fact that you know when they walk in the room and they see one of the anchor charts up, I think they know like, okay, here she goes again. <laughs> like this is mm-hmm. gonna be something, something. Uh, big is coming. So I'm glad that you can appreciate them as well. You all probably appreciate them more than the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think the cool thing about it is that for even like a new teacher looking at them, I think the content is amazing, which just takes time for a new teacher, but they're simple. Like there's nothing so fancy about them that would make any other teacher feel anything. Um, they're very factual and um, you can get it. Anyone can look at it and they can totally get it right away. So I totally appreciate that so much. I really do. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I feel like one of the most, um, one of the questions I'm asked most often is about my handwriting on the uh-huh. anchor <laughs> And teachers will always ask, you know, well, do you do that while the kids are sitting there? And the answer is no, I couldn't write that nicely. <laughs> <laughs> Kids aren't that patient, um, but I, uh, you know, for me, those anchor charts really are anchors for myself. You know, the big things mm-hmm. that I want to make sure mm-hmm. that I go over. So the answer is uh, no. I don't write that neatly in front of the children. <laughs> <laughs> just can you share? Just um, one of the things I love to do. One of the things I love this podcast um, is that I get to get a little bit, a little bit beyond like the educational stuff. Um, I think a lot of times people know um, who the individual is and regardless if they don't, they can look online, they can find that. But I'm wondering, um, just like who you are, um, like tell me something about Jess that I don't know. Um, there's not a whole lot that 
it's that interesting. But <laughs> I, um, I am a mom outside of being a teacher. I have a seven-year-old daughter who is a spitfire. Um, she herself is not all that jazzed about the idea of school. Uh, <laughs> she's, in, she's one of those kids who's totally in it for recess and her friends. I love um, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she is sort of the uh, light of my life and, and the real driving force outside of the classroom and she and I have two cats two dogs and a bunny at our house so that's interesting um and I I, I can say the ABCs backwards that's my hidden talent <laughs> I love it I love it I love it <laughs> yeah, so that's sort of who I am outside of school Mm -hmm. And what's, tell us some of like your background. Um, what did your like family look like growing up? Yeah. So I come from a long line of teachers. My mom was a teacher. She's now retired. My grandmother, her mom was also a teacher. Oh, wow. Yes. And so I, of course, thought I wanted to be anything but a teacher. <laughs> who wants, who wants to be their mom, right? Um, <laughs> My dad is retired now, but was a rabbi. So for those of you who don't know, wow. like a priest, but at a Jewish congregation. Mm -hmm. um, so I, teaching just sort of runs in my family. Uh, my sister and I always joke with my parents. My sister is a social worker. And so we always joke that, you know, our mom and dad raised us to be, to really, um, to have a focus on being in service to others. And then we always make fun that because of that, we don't know who will take care of them when they get <laughs> uh, we're in service to others, but you know, the service professions won't pay for your uh, nursing care. Uh, but so I grew up, very close family. Um, so I wanted, I never wanted to be a teacher and then went to school. I went to, um, Washington University in St. Louis and um, really didn't know what I wanted to do and took an education class and just sort of fell in love and felt like that was what I wanted to do with my life. And so I, I began my teaching career in St. Louis and I actually taught first grade for two years, um, which looking back on it was a terrible idea. <laughs> I am much <laughs> better suited fifth grade but we all survived um and then after two years I moved back towards Chicago and I've actually since I moved back I've been in the same school in the same position in the same classroom now wow yeah for 15 years so I have wow. found yeah I'm really lucky I found a, a really good home for for myself there and feel um really comfortable so that's sort of you know, how I came to be where I am now. That's amazing. So that's a lot of educators in your family. Yes. Yeah. And it's almost hard to say, were they pushing you to be an educator? Or were they kind of just like, it's no. up to you, you kind of, yeah. My parents um, never pushed us to be anything other than, <laughs> you know, to sort of follow where we were interested in. I, you know, I have a dad who's a rabbi and yet I have, 
I have not ever been religious. I've not, um, you know, every so often he'll say, so Jess, do you believe in God yet? And he's, no, <laughs> no, still do. But, uh, mm. They really, they really uh, modeled for me, I think, so much of, of who I am as an educator, just that idea of kids are who they are and they mm -hmm. it is our job to nurture who they are and not mm -hmm. try and get them to be something else so I'm I'm forever grateful to my parents because they didn't they didn't push um, my sister or I in any direction other than to just sort of go um, where we wanted to go and I, mm -hmm. I am who I am because of that that's amazing and it's yeah. funny because like you when you talk about both of them you can tell that like a lot of what they believe in is ingrained in you as a teacher as well just this is just from me seeing a lot of what you do online and what you talk about um do you find yourself um listening to that inner voice of like mom or dad often in the classroom yes yes every and you know um again we always my poor parents we really make fun of them a lot but my sister and i always know <laughs> that they were um they were so expressive of their, not just love for us, but everything we did, they just had such a positive reaction to. And, mm -hmm. you know, it continues even, you know, we did Thanksgiving this year at my um, sister's house, or no, we were at my parents' house. Um, and my sister made the potatoes and I made the stuffing and my mom just, we knew was gonna go on and on about how good <laughs> was and how what a great job we did and um, you know at this point it's sort of like a joke like oh you're being such a lipshitz but I I see that in myself in the classroom I mean I hope it's not to you know an excessive degree but just that kids are motivated by their own success and if we can help them see that success um, then they are more likely to, to push themselves further. And I, mm -hmm. I hear that in myself and I know that comes from my family and from my parents. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. And then do yeah. you see the same thing with like, you have a seven year, seven year old daughter, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, and is that, is that, is she third grade or second grade? Oh, she's first grade. First she, grade. Yep. Smack dab in the middle of first grade. She just turned seven. So do you find yourself, how does that, what is, I know her childhood obviously looks very different than what yours did. Yeah. Um, so going back to mom and dad again, what types of values are you taking from them and trying to talk to her about or have her think about that yeah. they've given to you? So um, my daughter and I are in a little bit of uh, transition at the moment. So a little a little history of our family so um So her whole family life is changing. My wife and I, my, I guess, soon to be ex-wife, um, adopted her. Um, she was a month old. She had been at um, our adoption agency's nursery for her, the first month of her life. Um, we brought her home. And then, you know, seven years, six years 
sort of two moms, one house with Millie. Um, in at the end of the last uh, my last school year, um, it, you know, however much of this story <laughs> needs to be, <laughs> uh, but my former wife moved out, and so my daughter is in this period of transition. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, you know, she is with me for some of the week, and then she spends three nights at her other mom's house as well. So she's figuring a lot out. And this is like being always had um, as many models and representations as I would hope around her. Her teachers have been wonderful. Um, she has a wonderful uh, little bunch of friends, um, great families in our neighborhood that just wrap her up with love. But mm-hmm. she has to figure out a lot in this world. Put on top of that, she's not a kid who easily fits into our school system. She's a really active kid. Um, Reading and writing are coming later for her. Mm -hmm. So uh, I feel like a big part of my responsibility is making sure that she knows that even if she doesn't fit into this model, of what the world tells her she's supposed to be or what her family's supposed to look like or how she's supposed to learn, that she is still good enough and that who she is is enough. And there are moments where I feel like I am so qualified to be her mom because that is what I've always believed about kids, that they are enough just who they are. And here's this little being who needs that message reinforced in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are other moments I feel completely unqualified to be her, her <laughs> mother, but <clears throat> um, I feel really lucky that I have always believed that about kids and I had that modeled for me as a kid. Because I think when I look at Millie and I look at other kids who just, the world isn't making it easy for them to be who they are, then it's our job as adults, it's my job as her mom to step in and say, you're okay, you're enough, um, and just provide sort of that reinforcement that who you are, exactly as you are, mm-hmm. is good enough, and let's figure out how to be who you are in this world. I no, don't I even think that, No, I think you answered it great. I, th- I think you answered it great, and I think you hit a really good point there. It's kind of like, there's so many messages in just life in general, on social media, on TV, through music, through everything that's reminding kids of just, it's asking them to be something that they're not and to have those voices that are consistently reminding them that it's okay to be different or it's okay to think for yourself. Like all of those things are so, so important, I think the more people that are able to talk to kids about that or allow that dialogue, the better, for sure. Yeah. I, totally, I totally agree with you. Um, yeah. What are some things you guys like to do for fun? Like, is there, you said she's super active. So I'm, I can only envision what like super active look like, looks like. Yeah. Well, she's, she's a complex being because she's super active, but she is not a big fan of things like rules so she doesn't <laughs> she doesn't like like organized sports because that's a lot of rules for a kid to follow so she is I think she's happiest uh which means I'm happiest at places like parks and pools and beaches where she can just 
go. Yes, mm -hmm. and to mm -hmm. go and play. Um, she's really social, so she loves being with her friends. Um, she just found a new love of ice skating. Uh, again, she's not interested in like lessons or anything, but she loves the idea of just kind of being out there uh, and figuring it out. Um, so that though I feel like that's our sort of constant um, what we're seeking is like oh, a large open space. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the the crazy part. I totally agree. I think the crazy part about how like how the projection of like being a kid to an adult and how much we as adults need things to like entertain us, whether that's like yes. a book or like television or computer or whatever it is. Yes. As a kid, like you need nothing. You need an open right. space. You yes. need a cardboard box. You need a cereal yes. box. You need the like the least amount of things possible and they make yes. it work. It's fascinating. Yes. It's absolutely yes. fascinating. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool for her. That's so cool yeah. for her. She's a cool, she's a cool kid. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Just what did your schooling look like? I always ask this question. I'm very fascinated by a lot of responses just based on um, just places of where like you live, yeah. um, just generations, um, just different types of schooling. So like, what did that look like for you? Yeah, uh, it was, I had an interesting school career. So I started at a private Jewish day school, um, which is an interesting environment for a lot of reasons, but especially, um, you know, when I was in elementary school, this might not uh, be surprising to anyone, but I, I, I sort of pushed a lot of boundaries. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't think I was, a, I probably was a very difficult kid to like for my teachers <laughs> because I, I like remember asking a lot of questions and just sort of um, uh, not accepting a lot of things. So kindergarten through sixth grade, I went to this private Jewish day school and it just, you know, I, I, I'm not sure it was the best fit for me. And then seventh grade, I switched to a public school for middle school. So seventh grade, I go into public school and all of a sudden I become like a model student. I don't know what it was. I don't know if I was scared. I don't know if um, it was a bigger environment. It like felt more like real school kind of. So then I, I probably became a lot more like a, a teacher's pet. Now also what's interesting is when I was at the um, Jewish day school, I was always in like the low math groups. Um, math was always a struggle. And I was totally one of those like textbook kids that because they told me I wasn't smart, I was like, well, okay, I'll show them. I won't even try. Um, and so I think that was part of why I was such an obnoxious kid. And then I got to middle school and I don't know if they, I don't even remember if they like did some sort of test or or assessment but it was sort of like what are you doing in the low math class like you don't need to be there so I went into the regular class and then um I did fine I I, I it was strange like here I was thinking I wasn't smart and then I got to a different school and it turns out like no I was I was all right um so then I continued in public school through high school I went to a huge high school mm -hmm. um, in 
high school. I think there was like 900 kids in my grade. Um, wow. Yeah. And and I I loved high school. I loved middle school too. I I um, I I think it was just sort of like that switch of of um, you know thinking I wasn't smart to then figuring mm. out like no I I think I might be. Which just has there's so much to unpack there, right? About what we do mm -hmm. to kids, but yeah. So then I just loved both middle school and high school, loved college, and um, yeah. Did you have a favorite teacher in elementary or middle school, or even high school? <sighs> I have a terrible memory, but I do remember <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Frank was my either seventh or eighth grade language arts teacher. And mm -hmm. I just, I loved her. And I, I still think so fondly of her. Um, and it's funny, I don't remember anything specifically that she taught us other than I do remember we read Diary of Anne Frank in her class. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, and I remember failing a quiz on pronouns. Those are the two <laughs> moments I have. But I do, but I do remember um, just feeling really loved by her, you know? Mm -hmm. I, loved us and she loved being there mm -hmm. um she's really the one teacher who sticks out from from all of my schooling and it's funny how like i think of course to ask like who's who's your favorite teacher but then to maybe just remember bits and pieces of like what that actual like learning is but right. at the same time know that like whatever that was it didn't really matter I just knew that I was like cared for and I think that's something that we miss so much and I think parents want to hear it I think kids want to be able to feel it and hear it daily um they want to be cared for they want to be loved they want to be seen they want to be heard like all the other stuff they're gonna figure it out like whether you're helping them whether they're through the weeds and they're like trying really hard whatever the case may be yeah, like the care part is just so so important, and yeah. it just says it right there with like Miss Frank, like she must have done something <laughs> yep. for you to feel that way. And I think sometimes we miss that. We, we do. do. It's very rare that we have like I think on all my professional development. When do we have professional development on how to make kids feel more cared for and more loved? I, I mean, I totally agree. No. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I totally agree. What are some things that you like to do besides teach um, that someone wouldn't know about you? Uh, I'm not sure there's anything anyone wouldn't know because <laughs> the things I like to do <laughs> are all pretty obvious. I mean, I, I probably the thing I spend my mo the most time doing is reading outside mm -hmm. of, of school. Um, I do, this is maybe embarrassing and I shouldn't admit it, but I, I like a little bit of uh, trashy television. <laughs> I, I know, I should I love it. But sometimes. <laughs> I love it, I love yeah. it. Uh, like, well, right before I got on this call, I was quickly finishing up an episode of The Real Housewives of New York City. And I think people would be surprised that I watched The Real Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I think sometimes um, when engaged in the work that we do, you need to give your brain like a little break. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't have a ton of like hobbies or, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, That's totally that okay. Way. That is totally okay. It's funny. I was, it's um, the other day I came home from work and I went to like Netflix and I was like, oh, I have to finish watching this show. And like, I barely watch like Netflix. I'll put it on the background when I'm doing right. work sometimes, um, or I'll just be watching sports. I'll just put basketball on and I'll be doing it. And Lorraine's like, what are you watching? And I'm like <laughs> looking at her and I'm like, like, it's just like a show. And she's looking at it. And it's this, I can't even remember what it's called. It's called like The Circle or something. It's on Netflix. Anyway, she's looking at me, she's like, why are you watching that? It is one of those shows where like, it's just bad television. I know, sometimes I think our brains need it. I agree, I totally agree. I know, I know. So, yeah, that's maybe a surprise for people. I love it. I, I truly love that that is something that you like to do. I really do, I yeah. really do. What are some books that, you, that you've been reading or that you've read? Uh, I just finished, so I, I um, you know, reading habits are a really fascinating thing. I, I find that I go in these phases where I'll read only books for kids, and then I'll sort of switch over and force myself to read books for grown-ups too. So I just finished this fascinating book called Gentleman Jack, um, which is the tr based on the diaries of this woman, Anne Lister, who was, um, I don't know, she lived in England in 18 something and she kept these um, journals and she was a lesbian and really lived her life sort of being who she was in a time where that wasn't, um, uh, you know, any sort of like acceptable lifestyle. And she, mm -hmm like sort of relentlessly pursued this um, Ann Walker who, who ended up then coming and living with her and the two of them sort of lived out that last years of Ann Lister's life. So anyway, I just finished that book. It was fascinating. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, am now moving on to Nick Stone's middle grade book, which oh, I can't love. Yeah. So, so a lot, you know, I just finished this like really, uh, sort of slow moving grown up book. <laughs> like, okay, now I need a treat with Nick Stone. <laughs> uh -huh. And she's been doing such a good job. Like I remember seeing her at NCT and like she, that lady is just like, she like bobbles my mind. She works so hard. Like, and for someone who works so hard to be like, she's one of the, those authors that, like, she's, like, for the people as well. Yeah. Like, she spends the time talking to people, yep. sending out messages, going to schools. Like, I, I honestly don't see, and maybe it's just because I really, really like her, but yeah. I really, truly see her putting in the work beyond just, like, publishing the books. Um, yes. And that I can't, I, I asked her, I was like, how do you, like do so much and she was like i don't know <laughs> right um yeah. she barely takes breaks and she's, and she's always so nicely dressed too always so nicely dressed right always like she doesn't yeah. look as tired as i think she should look based uh -huh. on how much she's writing how much she's doing 
Um, and I agree, every time I saw her at NCTE from a distance, she was just surrounded by mm -hmm. people and so genuinely engaged in conversation with whoever she was with. She mm -hmm. is she's remarkable. She really it's, is. It's a remarkable time, I think, um, in terms of, of children's literature and the people mm -hmm. who are writing and the books they're putting out into the world and the books then that we get to hand to kids. Um, mm -hmm. It really is. There, there are such exciting books and exciting voices, and it makes me feel like we're teaching. It, as difficult as this moment in the world is, it's really a um, a hopeful moment too, just in terms of sort of the literature that we're able to to get into the hands of kids that mm -hmm. didn't exist ten years ago. Yeah, I agree, and it's almost like you you can no longer say there's no book for right. that kid. Like right. there is, <laughs> there right. is a book out there for every kid. And I think for us as educators, it's just us putting in the work and helping them find it. Cause I totally agree with That's you. Right. Yeah, That's I right. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Just, can you share maybe, um, I know as educators and just people within the field have like mentors, is there anyone that you would consider a mentor or someone that you, um, yeah, I think someone that you would kind of go to, whether this was at the beginning of your career or still right now that you use as um, like an outlet. Yes. Um, so three people popped into mind. The first was um, when I taught first grade in St. Mm -hmm. Louis, the very start of my career, I taught with a woman, Debbie Sachs. She's now mm -hmm. retired. Um, she was phenomenal. And I really struggled my first years of teaching. Um, I, I, uh, it was hard for me to hear any sort of um, uh, constructive feedback in a way that I didn't feel personally attacked. I think that's one of the hardest things to learn just in any career, that transition from being a student, being in college to being an uh, employee is how to handle feedback and how to handle criticism. And I just had a really hard time um, figuring stuff out. And she was uh, wonderful. And she was so good with kids. And she, I remember I had a little uh, boy in my class who was just, he was struggling too. And he would sort of have these like kind of violent outbursts. And I remember her saying to me, you know, sometimes if, the kid is going to be kicking and screaming. The best we can do is give them a safe spot to do that where they're not going to hurt themselves and they're not going to hurt anyone else. Mm -hmm. And I remember that advice being really transformational for me. Just that idea that it's not always our job to fix things, right? Or to stop a kid or to get a kid to do something, but to create an environment where they can be safe. And I think that guided me for a long time. So she was probably my first mentor. Then I think <clears throat> about current mentors. I am so lucky to work for the principal that I work for. Mm -hmm. He um, has been there, I don't, probably the past eight or nine years of my career. And he is, he is still a teacher at heart more than an administrator. Um, and he is so child centered. 
and what he has done for me is he has trusted me and he um, has believed in me and he's also helped me learn how to be passionate in a way that doesn't turn other people off um yeah i think you know in my learning i think uh one of the areas i've grown the most in is how to raise issues in a way that allows other people to really hear what I'm saying. Um, I think it, I used to come to meetings just full of anger and I used to bring things up in a way that just, you know, I think shut other people down. And he has really helped me, you know, he's been able to sort of, I don't know, coach me and guide me in, in finding better ways to communicate what I'm passionate about. And that has mm -hmm. been such a gift. Personal. 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 Personal.